0: are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana and I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. You can find links to all my work by following me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena. And uh, as a quick reminder, we have coming up Thursday of this week, we're going to do a Twitter Thursday instead of a Twitter Tuesday. So your questions will take center stage. Make sure you get your questions to me by tagging them Ask train that's p t r a i n or you can email your questions to me at locked on giants podcast at gmail.com and i look forward to receiving them i look forward to answering them i'll do the best i can to get you answers and if i don't have an answer uh, i'll let you know and we'll revisit when i do get an answer all right so coming up on today's show i have a two-part interview that i did with CBS Sports NFL cap analyst Joel Corey. He is the go to guy when you have cap questions. Seriously, the man, you think I know the cap? I know nothing compared to Joel Corey. He knows every little in and out. And we had a really, really good conversation. In segment two of today's program, you'll hear uh, what he had to say about the Giants cap situation, the various decisions they made, um, and and some of the things they could potentially do. And then in segment three of today's program, we talked more in general terms about the league salary cap, about the end of the year, and just some different mechanisms that we need to look out for and how they might affect free agent contracts uh, that are negotiated this year so really good stuff and i hope you will enjoy that interview before i play that though i just want to uh, spend a few minutes talking about the uh the news of tuesday now tuesday of course was the final day for the nfl to apply any franchise or transition tags and the giants even though they didn't announce it but it, it was uh it was technically announced by the lead. The Giants decided not to apply the franchise tag on safety Landon Collins, who basically now is a free agent, free to work go and negotiate a deal with any team he wants. And uh his days as a giant apparently are over. You know, he said his goodbyes on Twitter And uh, it was kind of a bittersweet day because, you know, Collins is a fan favorite. He's a media favorite. He's been the ultimate professional. Everything you could probably ask for in a player has done, you know, everything. I think they've asked him to. He's been a pro bowler. He was a first-team All-Pro in 2016. And he's only 25 years old, so he has a bright future ahead of him. But the Giants, you know, hamstrung by the cap again years and years of mismanagement of the cap have hamstrung the team all those big contracts they dished out back in 2016 are still, you know, kind of biting into them. And unfortunately, Dave gentleman had to make decisions. And this was probably not an easy decision to make. But uh, considering that the Giants are going to need a free safety so that they can shore up the middle of the field and not have, you know, tight ends, for example, running wild against them, um, it, it just was kind of hard to see the Giants – devoting significant financial resources to both Landon Collins and a potential free safety. So it's unfortunate, but such as is the case. Um, a couple of other things I wanted to touch upon. I know I, I got a lot of questions um, that they came in on Twitter, you know, a lot of reactions. Some people, you know, wanted me to respond accordingly on this podcast. So I'm going to just do that real quick without, you know, mentioning who asked what question. Um but basically, a couple people asked me, well, why didn't the Giants do something with Eli Manning's uh, $23.2 million cap hit? And the reason for that is you have to look at the way the roster is structured. Okay, so in the case of safety, the Giants can probably pick up a young player. Or they can start Michael Thomas. You know, let's not forget about him. But they could probably plug somebody in at Landon Collins' spot. Landon Collins, good player, but primarily a box safety. So maybe the Giants pick up a linebacker, for example, who's really athletic and who can drop into coverage and play that, you know, um, that pseudo linebacker safety type of role. I guess it's. I guess they call it the money backer role in, in Betcher's defense. So. There are options. It's just a matter of where the Giants decide to, you know, take that option or how they they fill it. But I I think, you know, and I'm reluctant to say this because I think the world of Landon Collins and everybody is unique in their own ways. But in terms of the talent and the production and what they're looking to replace, I think the Giants feel that they can replace Landon Collins and what he brought to the table. I also think, and I am convinced more now than ever, that the Giants draft is going to have a very heavy defensive flavor to it. So you're going to probably see the Giants grab an edge rusher. You're going to probably see them grab an interior pass rusher. And then, of course, you might see them take a, a, a linebacker who can draw back and cover uh, in order to fill out that defense. Now, the Giants will have some additional money when they remove... uh, Olivier Vernon's contract off the books Olivier Vernon on the trade block I don't know that the Giants are necessarily going to be able to move him for anything, that contract is a choker Um, they may end up releasing him, that will that will sting, you know, If, if they can't get something for him, that's going to hurt but, you know, it, 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 unfortunately it's a necessity. He just, you know, the availability is an issue and the production just hasn't matched the contract. And it's really a shame, you know, he's a good guy. He works his tail off, but, you know, these are some of the business decisions that you have to make. And these are also some of the dangers of why you want to build through the draft and you don't want to go crazy in free agency with your spending. A um, couple of other notes, Alex Tanney, um, as, as I might have mentioned on a previous show, he signed, I don't have the exact numbers, but I believe he signed for the veteran minimum, which means he's not going to count for the full amount against the cap. He's going to count as a second year player. Uh, there's a clause in the CBA that for veterans with four or more years experience, when they sign a contract, so, so long as they're not getting over $90,000 in bonuses, they can qualify to count as a second-year player would, so it's not a huge savings. But if you think about it, it sure beat putting the original, uh, re- the original tender. Uh, I'm sorry, the original round tender, which for the restricted free agent, Tanny would have been a, a restricted free agent. Um, it would have cost them over two million dollars to apply the original tender, and just wasn't going to happen. I mean, not for a backup quarterback. You just don't pay that kind of money for a backup quarterback if you can help it that's grossly mismanaging your cap okay so on that note we're going to take our first break and then when we come back i'm going to play for you the interview with joel Corey of cbs sports the nfl draft i'm sorry the nfl cap specialist and uh, i hope you enjoy that interview so stay with us giants fans we'll be right back I'm joined now by Joel Corey. He is the NFL salary cap expert over at CBS Sports, does a great job. And he is the go-to source whenever you have a question about the cap, does a really good job answering questions. I know he's helped me out a lot. And Joel, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the line. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure, Joel. So, Joel, let's jump right into the uh some of the stuff that's going on we'll start i'd like to start off with some of the decisions made by the giants before turning our attention a little later on to um the overall big picture the giants of course announcing today that landon collins was not going to get the um the franchise tag um he is going to be a free agent did that move surprise you given the giants cap situation
1: yeah, I thought they would tag him just because the idea is to ensure that you keep good young players. Now there's no guarantee he will return. I suspect that he's going to find greener pastures elsewhere and someone's going to pay him more than the Giants were ever contemplating paying him. Um just dating back to the middle of the last season, I know you have young interior defensive linemen, but you traded Damon Harrison Snacks, who wasn't a very expensive contract for what he does. He's the best in the league at stuffing the run from the interior of a defensive line, and he gave him away. So um, making some interesting decisions, in my opinion, up there.
0: Joel, you were once an NFL agent. Can you walk us through, if at all possible, the process the GMs, maybe – Go through in, in in determining whether or not a guy should get this, the um, the uh, franchise or transition tag, and how they just kind of maybe come to these decisions and determining the value. Well,
1: sometimes it's a no brainer where it's like we we'll never under no circumstance will we let this guy hit the open market, so they're going to put the tag on him to ensure that uh, they keep him. And if someone signed him to an offer sheet, assuming it's not exclusive tag. Then they would have to make the decision about whether he's worth uh, signing or whatever dollar amount that is or getting two first-round picks in return, which is why no one ever signs an offer sheet as a um, non-exclusive franchise player. For some, it's like, well, we want to keep this guy, but where we are in preliminary contract discussions, we're going to tag him just so we can keep talking. And sometimes teams just have started to take the position, yeah, we're just going to restrict our best guy on an expiring contract. And that's why you see sometimes kickers like uh, Robbie Gold getting franchised when the tag was never intended for that type of purpose. The original intent was really just for quarterbacks. I think Al Davis wanted five franchise tags back before the 1993 collective barring agreement. And it was really made with the Dan Marinos and the John Elways in mind, not for just your uh, star player or your best defensive player. It was really supposed to be more of a quarterback uh, type thing, but that's not how it's evolved or devolved over time.
0: Joe, last week when Dave Gettleman spoke to the Giants media, he said that, you know, they don't they have, you know, about 27 million in cap space. This was before, you know, the NFL cap was announced he said you know it's about that but he also mentioned keeping about eight to ten million dollars in reserve for the season in the event of emergencies I thought those numbers were a little high and I just would like to get your take on that because my thinking is is if you're going to sign a guy mid-season to replace an injured guy that contract's going to be prorated anyway so in other words you're not going to pay one million you're going to probably pay say for example you sign him halfway through the season you're paying him five hundred thousand I mean what, do you, what did you think of that estimate
1: yeah that was a little high I thought it was maybe about a third or half high than it should have been uh, some teams will cut it on a razor razor thin margin and won't have that amount of cap room like the Rams this past season were operating at almost the full amount of the cap they only carried over a little under five hundred thousand dollars so it yeah, he, he was a little. I thought, thought he was being very conservative and keeping saying you needed that that amount of money because it's been done with a lot less, and you could always, when you have to, restructure a contract because that's what you see sometimes happen at the roster cutdown when you go from the uh, top 51 county to everybody that a team will restructure a contract or two just so they'll have a cushion.
0: Joe, when you look at managing the cap, again, the Giants cap to me looks like it's an absolute mess. And, you know, Gettleman's only in his second year in the job, but, you know, a lot of dead money. I think I saw somewhere where currently the Giants have the fourth highest amount of dead money. What's the secret to teams managing the cap effectively year after year? I know we see the Patriots stay very I don't think they've ever had cap issues, you know, in the Belichick era. I mean, what's the key for a team to manage that cap while still making sure that they have the talent necessary to compete?
1: Uh, not making mistakes on your big money contracts. Cause if you don't make huge mistakes on those, those guys will play on those contracts and, and you're, you're fine. Two, don't get too much into short-term thinking. Um, you can deal with it as long as the cap keeps going up, but, We've always seen teams over time, some think they're in a championship window, go all in, mortgage the future, and it can blow up in your face and you start restructuring more contracts than you should. Don't play the kick the can down the road game. Um, Saints do it um, annually, Cowboys do it a lot, so do the Steelers. To me, the cleanest way to manage your cap, and nobody really does it outside of the Buccaneers, the Raiders were doing it under Reggie McKenzie, is go with the pay-as-you-go model, where your cap and cash numbers are the same. Each year you don't have a signing bonus, so when the guarantees run out, provided you haven't restructured a contract, you have the ability to turn the roster because there's no dead money.
0: Interesting, interesting. Now, a big, you know, controversy or a topic of debate is Eli Manning's cap number. Eli, I think is, I believe it's 23.2 million. Um, The Giants have already come out and said that, you know, they want to do that Kansas City plan, which means that ideally, they want to have Eli finish out his contract. But that's still kind of a high number given, you know, where they are, are at. One of the things I know I Floated, and I wanted to get your take on this. Is would it make sense to maybe restructure Eli? Now I know restructuring would necessitate adding on a second year, and you know it would it would also necessitate maybe pushing some some additional money into next year, where there's a chance he may or may not be be around to collect that. What are your thoughts on you know what the Giants could do to conceivably you know get that number manageable? Is is a restructure the best option, or just a flat out pay cut?
1: Well, ideally you'd want him to take a pay cut because then you're not dealing with residual cap charges or dead money by sticking a voidable year or years in there to create 2019 cap room. If you're going to ask him to take a pay cut, one thing you could do is see if he's willing to convert the – give up his $5 million uh, roster bonus, which I think is fifth day, see the third or fifth day of the league year, then guarantee – uh, his base salary, so he knows he's there by giving up the money and giving him a chance to make the money back through not likely to be earned incentives. His brother took a $4 million pay cut his last year in Denver. Uh, you couldn't put it at the same incentive thresholds that Peyton Manning had because you're not a Super Bowl uh, contending team, and his were contingent on an AFC championship um, victory and a Super Bowl victory, so he made back the $4 million. Uh, if you wanted to go the uh, restructure route, and you were convinced that he wasn't going to be around in 2020, 2019 is the last year. You could add up to four voidable years and take as much money as you wanted to, uh, up to his minimum base salary of a million thirty dollars. Convert that into signing bonus, and but you'd have to deal for a residual cap charge in 2020 because you'd stick a. Uh, Date where twenty twenty would automatically void, and then that proration would hit the cap for for the twenty twenty league year. So there are a couple of ways you could do it, but if you give them take a pay cut, that would probably be best for uh, the Giants because not only are you saving cap room, but you're saving cash.
0: Now you mentioned you know possibly getting some not likely to be earned incentives in there. Can, just for the folks, you know, and I, I know I've tried to explain it to to folks, the difference between LTBEs and NLTBEs. Can you just give an example of uh, a likely to be earned versus a not likely to be earned just for the folks who, you know, don't trust me with this.
1: Okay. Anything you did the prior season, if you have an incentive uh, at or below that level is considered likely to be earned. Anything above what you did in the prior season is considered not likely to be earned. If it's likely to be earned, it counts on the cap during the season. Um, If it is not likely, then it doesn't count. And then if you hit it, uh, it it hits after the season. If you don't hit the threshold, then the team gets a cap credit. So I'm going to use a very simple example. Um, We know, let's say uh, you got a receiver that caught 50 balls in 2018, And if you signed him to a contract with an incentive for $100,000 for catching 45 passes since he had 50 in 2018, that counts against the cap. If it's a 51, since he didn't do that in 2018, it's considered not likely to be earned. It doesn't count against the cap during the season.
0: All right. And then uh, another contract that I looked at and kind of played around with as as a possible way to lower it, because I think the Giants are just right now too cap heavy. And that's Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract. Now, I know he just signed the, the new deal last year, but I thought there, there might be a way where they can lower that number. I don't know that he will necessarily go for it, but maybe convert some of his base salary into a signing bonus. It does push some money forward, including into the last year where currently there's no money scheduled in there, but it would lower it. Is there any kind of advantage to doing that other than, you know, obviously lowering it or are you, or by pushing the money forward, are you just setting yourself up for, for cap headaches?
1: Well, he's the type of guy that you would think if you were going to restructure, you would, because he should be around for years to come now there're the reports that he's on the trading block, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that you would sign a guy and then trade him before he plays any of the new years under the extension but you could uh theoretically take his base down to eight oh five and then you're converting that's his league minimum um then you're gonna convert was it fifteen nine four five i th- think that's what the amount would be uh or four or five something like that in the signing bonus you could create like 12.75 million a cap room doing that and his cap number I think goes to slightly under 8.25 million Uh, but you're going to be adding like almost 3.2 million a cap room of uh, a proration to the remaining years of his contract if you wanted to do that um, with him but if you're going to choose a guy to restructure picky guy that you think is going to be around for a long time
0: that definitely makes sense all right folks you're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Train and special guest Joel Corey of CBS Sports he's the NFL cap guru we're going to take a short break come back and then we're going to in segment three we're going to talk a little bit about the league wide cap and some of the things that are coming down the pike so stay with us Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Joel Corey of CBS Sports. He is the NFL cap guru. The guy you go to when you have questions on the cap really does does a fantastic job, has some great articles up at CBS Sports. Make sure you check them out. And Joe, I want to turn our attention to the league wide cap for a moment. It was announced um, last week that it came in at $188.2 million, a little under the $190 million I know that was being projected. Were you surprised that it came under?
1: yeah i thought I thought it would be closer to the higher earned projections, which I think was one ninety one point one but I think that for the second year of the in a row, the union decided to devote more money to benefits um which are important because uh football is a contact sport a collision sport, not a contact sport, and the health issues of players uh post careers much different than practically any other of uh, the major team sports in this country. Well, yeah, I was a little surprised that it that it wasn't um, at 190 or above.
0: And are you do you think that be, because this cap didn't come in at the high end, that maybe we're seeing a lot more cuts of of these bigger contracts? Is that really affected, being affected, or is that just a matter of you know these players that are being cut kind of out of their usefulness for their teams?
1: Uh, It's more the latter than the former because teams plan for for conservatively that the cap is going to come in at the lowest end of the spectrum. So they're really thinking, yeah, it's going to be like 186, 187. So coming in above that uh, doesn't materially change. Coming in above that but below the higher end of projections doesn't materially change what they have been planning to do.
0: Now, next year, I want to look ahead next year only because I understand there's some mechanisms that have been included in the current CBA for the final league year of the CBA, Um, and I just want to get your take. First of all, let's start off by by mentioning a few of those mechanisms, and then I want to get your take on how you think having these mechanisms in place might impact how free agent contracts are negotiated this year.
1: Um, Well, at least one thing you don't have that you had in the last CBA was the final year as an uncapped year. Uh, and that was really, that had been the previous two or three CBAs because the thinking was going to be that neither side really wants the uncapped year because there's no spending floor. Um, and then teams could be as cheap as they wanted. And on the flip side, owners didn't want the uncapped year because if you had some owners who just wanted to go crazy, they could. But this year, this time around, you have the cap here. Um, One of the more interesting things is teams have two designations available in 2020 as opposed to one. Um, You can go franchise and transition as opposed to franchise or transition. So for a team like uh, Seattle, if they don't get Frank Clark, who's franchised this year, done, then that allows them to retain him most likely on a transition tag because of Russell Wilson isn't done, he'll get the franchise tag, but then Bobby Wagner becomes free. Dallas has that same issue, um, because they have multiple guys that you could use tags on. Um, They wouldn't tag DeMarcus Lawrence for a third time, it'd just be too cost prohibitive. But Dak would get the franchise tag and then potentially if Mari Cooper plays out his rookie contract he'd be the trans- transition player or either Byron Jones so that that's one of the things in 2020 that you that didn't exist in the other years of uh, the CBA
0: And then also if I'm not mistaken there's no post June 1st designations next year is that correct
1: Yeah that's true so um you can't get you can't cut a guy early get the benefit of the cap early, the cap treatment of cutting him um, after June 1st. So you're going to have to carry him on the roster um, until June 2nd uh, next year. So so actually, yeah, no, there's no post-June 1 treatment next year. So, yeah, it doesn't matter either way. I'm, excuse me, I'm mistaken. So uh, you you you're, when you cut a guy, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's early or late. No, you can't get the benefit of splitting the cap hit over two years uh, next year. Uh, so that that's a different feature as well. Um, that you, you don't have right now because you're, you're going to see teams use the post-G1 designation to get two um, each league year, um, and that's something that teams have uh, taken advantage of, but you won't have that luxury. That's how Tony Romo was released um, through a post u one designation.
0: And then also, I, I, I think the other major thing, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, and it, is the 30% rule changes in some way, shape, or form. Can you just explain to the listeners how the 30% rule works now and how that, if, if I'm correct, how that would change in the final year?
1: Well, it's coming into play as, uh, now because we're getting closer to the final league year. So for any contract that extends past the final league year, which is 2020, and this has been going on past couple of years by contracts extending it, that whatever your salary is in 2020, um, the increase for the successive years can be no more than 30% uh, of that year. So say you had a $10 million salary in 2020, then your max salary in 2021 is going to be 13. Your max in 2022 would be 16 and then 19 the year after. Um, that's something that has come into play a little bit because you've had contracts starting really in two thousand seventeen um extending past twenty twenty um but you're gonna see it become more prominent um this year and this year and next year
0: when contracts are negotiated uh every year, there always seems to be a trend that you know the cap gurus or the people that are Doing the contracts seem to copy, whether it be a roster bonus or how a contract is structured. Do you have any idea um, as far as what might be the trend this year? Do you see something maybe emerging based on you know your study of the cap and also factoring that that final league year?
1: Uh, yeah, you're probably going to see pretty healthy base salaries in 2020 or salaries in 2020. So you can work around the um, 30% rule because I remember what was 05 after the 05 year before 06, before they had the 06 CBA, you had a couple of extensions. You saw weird, you usually have round numbers for base salaries, but you saw some weird numbers for like Reggie Wayne's extension because you had to adhere to the 30% rule before the new CBA was in existence. So I think that's one thing you're going to see. Um, I do know the Niners did something interesting, um, signing uh, Mike Pearson, signing him to a three-year extension. Uh, They decided to have his per-game roster bonus um, be paid just for being on the roster for the first 14 games as opposed to all 16, just for the 2020 league year. In 2019 and 2021, it's like your regular per-game roster bonus where it's the amount for each game, but in 2020, it stops after 14 games, which you get, that's how you would get the whole payment.
0: And then finally, Joe, what is the early word right now on CBA talks? I I think I saw something a while ago that said it's a work stoppage is is probably going to happen after the 2020 year, but that, but then I saw something else that said that there have been some very early talks. What's your gut feeling on how this might progress? Or is it just too early to say?
1: Well, the fact that they're having preliminary discussions was surprising, and that there's some some optimism because the assumption had been that there's so much mistrust or distrust between the parties that there's no way that any agreement could be done early, and we were going to definitely have a work stoppage in 2021. Um, I'll believe a deal when I see it. Uh, I'm not sure what the players are going to be able to get out of this one that wasn't in the last one. There are a lot of things I'd change, but uh, I don't know if they necessarily have the leverage to extract any major concessions from ownership.
0: Well, I know one of the things that they talk about, and I, I just don't see how it's going to happen, is is guaranteed contracts. I mean, did, I would think at this point that's not a realistic uh, expectation, no? Well, there's a
1: misconception that guaranteed contracts are uh, CBA mandated in other sports. It's not in other collective bargaining agreements. It's individual players exerting leverage to get the guaranteed contracts. That's how it became the norm in the NBA. Now, what the union should push for if you want to have greased the skids or pave the way for more guaranteed contracts is to get rid of that archaic funding rule where if there's a skill or salary cap guarantee, you've got to fund the future years and stick that money in the escrow. Uh, it made more sense in the early 90s when you were concerned about whether ownership groups would be able to make payroll like the Vikings back then, but now that's not a concern, and teams use that as a convenient excuse you uh if I had a dollar for every time someone said, "I can't do that, I have to fund it from when I from my agent days, uh I could buy a team because that was like the broken record excuse anytime you propose nope, I can't do it I have to fund it and <laughs> teams would hide behind that. So I think if you eliminate the funding provisions, that could help um, increase the number of guaranteed contracts.
0: All right, great stuff. He's Joel Corey. You can find him on Twitter at Corey, C-O-R-R-Y, Joel. You can find him on CBS Sports. He writes an excellent column. Definitely a, a must read if you're into the salary cap. I know I'm in into it, I check out the column on a regular basis. Joel, I really appreciate you coming on the program with me.
1: Sure, thanks for having me.
0: All right, Giant fans, that'll wrap up today's show. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Joel Corey. As a reminder, get your questions into me for Twitter Thursday. We're going to try and devote each segment of the show to your questions. So you can tweet them to me at Patricia underscore traina with the hashtag Ask Or if you have a longer question or a bunch of questions you want to submit, go ahead and email them to me at LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. Again, I'd like to thank Joel Corey for coming on. I'd like to thank you for listening. Really appreciate it, and I'll be talking to you soon. Take care.